You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. So if you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word, if you're visiting with Meadowbrook, I just want you to know we believe the Bible to be the Word of God. We believe it to be true and that when we read the words from the pages of Scripture, you hear the same voice that spoke the galaxies into existence. The Bible is without error. And so I have nothing really great to offer you except for what's in this book, and that's why we stand at the, at the reading of it. So this is the word of the Lord in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, the disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You may be seated. So we're in this sermon series. We, we started it a few weeks ago. Uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take our time through this sermon series. Uh, I said at the very beginning that the Sermon on the Mount is a description of what it looks like to follow Jesus, that this is the center that the gospel calls us to, that, the God, that, the, that if you're a follower of Jesus, your first allegiance isn't you know, to the political right or the political left. You know, I showed you uh, four quadrants of kind of where, you know, where our nation is being pulled from in, in various directions politically, and that we've never been so divided as a nation than what I think we are now. We see, you know, Christians <clears throat> find themselves, you know, all of us, <laughs> We feel this tension of being pulled in these various directions. The gospel calls us to the center, and the center is this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and so that's why we're spending time, and a significant time, in the Sermon on the Mount. So the first week we looked at the, the poor in spirit. You know, the poor in spirit are those who come to the foot of the cross with empty hands. There's nothing in us that we bring to, to, to the cross except our sinfulness and our empty hands. There's no righteousness in us that would warrant God to allow us to, in, into his heaven to forgive us of, uh, uh, of our sins, that we come with empty hands. And then the week after that, we, we, which was last week, we looked at the second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, uh, for they shall be comforted. Well, what does it mean to mourn? Well, we looked at that. It's those who mourn over not just their own sin, but the, sin, the, the sins of the world and, and, and what the curse of sin has, has resulted in, in in our world. We had several mass shootings the last couple of weeks. That is the result of a world that is cursed. 
that there's no legislation, no law that will change the heart of man. The only hope of the nations or for the nations is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that was last week, and this week is blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now that, as I was thinking about this third beatitude, uh, that runs against the grain of our American culture, doesn't it? Like, like we honor strength. Uh, like we watch movies with heroes who are just like strong and, and able to conquer the world. And you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know of any Marvel film where meekness was at the top of the attribute list for said hero, right? It is more strength and courage and all kinds of stuff. It's a word that I don't hear often. I don't know about you. But it's something that Jesus included in his list of Beatitudes, that, that the meek are those who find favor with the God of all creation. Now, what does it mean to be meek? Well, I'll tell you what meek is not. Being meek is not, uh, or meekness is not cowardice. It's not spinelessness. It's not indecisiveness. I can't even say the word. So, <laughs> um, uh, it's not... Uh, timidity, it's not shyness, it's not niceness, it's uh, not a lack of confidence, it's not a posture of, this is, I guess, my word, wishy-washiness. <laughs> it's, uh, to be meek is to be a person who trusts in God. Meekness is in, in, the, in, the, in the way that the Bible defines meekness. A meek person is a free person. It is the person who will inherit the earth. And what I mean by free is that, that we are, you know, when we trust in God as the one who is sovereign over our lives, there's a freedom that comes with that. Now, I was thinking about this, and I've, I've shared this poem before, and, and I, I think if, if America had a creedal statement, like a church, churches have you know, creeds, like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and there are a bunch of different creeds that sometimes if you visit a church uh, that, that honors some of the history of, uh, of those whose shoulders we stand upon, you might hear the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. If America had a creed, I think it would be William Ernest's Invictus poem. You're familiar with that, right? I've shared it in the, in the past, but I, I have the whole poem that will be on the, the, the screens. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstances, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloodied but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That is something that meekness is not. <laughs> right? In fact, we, 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 as a culture, our culture celebrates pride. We even have a whole month that celebrates the spirit of Invictus in June. <laughs> I am the master of my own uh, fate. I am the captain of my own 
soul. I will live the way that I want to live. I don't give a rip what other people think. This is how I'm going to celebrate my life. And it's not just June. It's the posture uh, uh, of our culture and our world in general. And Jesus said that the meek are the ones who will inherit the earth, not the prideful, not the, the, not the strong, not the, the, the wise of the world, it is the meek who will inherit the earth. That this is the one that God smiles upon. And so I, I, I want to just, I got two points here. I want to define who is the meek or who are the meek. Well, the meek are, um, are not... <laughs> Not William Ernest's uh, Invictus poem, that's for sure. Probably the antithesis of, his, of Ernest's poem could be found in Psalm 37. And I believe that Jesus was referring to this psalm when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I have the words on the screen. In fact, let's read this together. This will be good for us. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Um, we, can wait, we can wait for verse 34. Go back. Okay. Uh, the meek shall inherit the land. The, the Hebrew word for land can mean earth. And what Jesus is, Jesus, I believe Jesus is saying that the one who postures himself in the way that the psalmist describes in Psalm 37, that's the person who will inherit the earth. It sounds very different than Invictus, doesn't it? Uh, that the meek is the person who, who has this deep dependence upon a God who is sovereign over his or her, her soul. That the true captain of our ship is the God who spoke the galaxies into existence. That it's his authority that we yield to, not how I feel. Later on in, in the psalm, in verse 34, <clears throat> it says, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Like, this is, this is the meek. the meek. The meek are the poor in spirit who arrive at the foot of the cross with empty hands. The meek are those who mourn not just over their own sins, but the sins of the world. The meek are those who understand that their problems are beyond them, that their problems are because of the sin that is in them, and that their problems are because of their own person. That's the meek. And that, that we, need a, we need help that's beyond ourselves. We need a Savior. We need a righteousness that is not our own. We need Jesus. That, 
that that is the mark of those who are meek. You know, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this about meekness. He said, and and I won't have all the words on the screen, but he said, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself, expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. It is therefore two things. It is my attitude towards myself, and it is an expression of that in my relationship to others. A man can never be meek unless he is poor in spirit. A man can never be meek unless he has seen himself as a vile sinner. These other things must come first. But when I have that true view of myself in terms of poverty of spirit and mourning because of my sinfulness, I am led on to see that there must be an absence of pride. See, if you're, if you're meek in terms of the way the Bible defines meek, there is no room for self-pride. And what I mean by pride is not, um, not, not joy, not happiness. What I mean by pride is a self-reliance upon self. What I mean by pride is what Invictus celebrates. That's what I mean by pride. The meek are those who understand that they are uh, you know, who they really are in light of who God actually is. That's the meek. You know, their, their response to God uh, when they come to God is a dependence upon God. You know, a, a couple, uh, I guess it's two years now, I did a whole sermon series on uh, titled Who Am I? And it was on identity. And we just, we spent that whole sermon, I think it was like nine weeks, we spent that whole sermon series on uh, Psalm 139. And what we learned from that psalm is that our identity is defined by and flows from the God who made us in his image. That is the meek. It's when we identify that, when we recognize that, when we recognize that God has authority over, my, uh, over what I want, over, over, over my dreams, over all those things, that God is the one who has authority over that, and I can trust him with my life because I know that he is good. I am not. <laughs> that was the other thing that came out of that sermon series. And I've repeated it multiple times throughout other sermon series that, that God is perfect in every way, infinitely perfect. And what that means is he does not need to get better at being God. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't take naps. He doesn't, you know, think to himself, well, I didn't think of that. <laughs> like when, 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 when Russia invaded Ukraine or, or when the mass shooting happened in, in Texas and and the other mass shooting that ha- happened, I think it was last night, or, or I think it was last night in Philadelphia. Um, God wasn't up in heaven thinking, oh man, I wish I thought of that. He is perfect in every way. He's got a design behind how all that's happening. He's, he's moving all of history in a direction. He does not need to get better at being good. Even when we don't understand what's going on in our lives, we can trust his goodness. That's freeing. That, that's, that, that will lead you to meekness. When I can trust that God is good and I, and, and I don't have to understand everything that's happening in my life, but I know that it's all, all of it will culminate uh, to this point that will lead for my good and the glory of God because God is good.
And so the meek arrive at the cross with empty hands, with no righteousness of their own, with heavy hearts over the gravity of their own sin, with a posture of humility, knowing that the only reason that they were able to arrive at the foot of the cross of Christ is because they were invited. Each and every one of you in this room, you arrived, if you're, if you're a Christian, you, you came to faith in Christ, you placed your faith and trust in Him, you confessed your sins, you, you, you laid it all before the foot of the cross because you were invited. Because you were invited. Not because you deserved it, not because I deserved it, because you were invited. That the reason why you found yourself at the foot of the cross was nothing but sheer mercy. Mercy is the refraining of giving you what you deserve. And grace is giving you what you don't deserve or what you did not earn. And both of those things we experienced at the cross. So what does meekness look like? That's my second point. You know, there are many examples of meekness in the Bible. If you read through the Bible... There's the example of Gideon. I don't know how many of you remember Gideon in the Bible. There's the example of Gideon. It's a really cool story. Who, uh, you know, started with 32,000 men, soldiers. And God reduced his 32,000 that initially were ready to face at least 100,000 soldiers of the Midianites. God said to Gideon, you have too many soldiers. And uh, he weaned it down, all the way down to about 300 soldiers. Gideon trusted that God knew what he was doing. And God said, this is what I want you to do. You get, you know, get a torch, you get a clay pot, you get a trumpet or a horn or whatever, and, and you surround the Midianites at night and uh, make sure the torches are lit in the clay pot, break it open, shout, blow your horns, and then voila, you know, I'm going to win the battle. <laughs> the point was, Gideon in his military might with his soldiers had nothing to do with their victory. It was God who did it. And Gideon trusted God. Uh, there's the example of David, who endured unjust treatment of, uh, the unjust treatment of King Saul, even though David knew that he was set apart to be king of Israel. And even after Saul discovered that, King Saul discovered that, uh, he sought to, to kill David, and not once did David utter any type of ill word towards Saul, not once did David try to take the life of King Saul. David waited patiently upon the Lord. David was meek. And there's the example, uh, other examples seen in the Old Testament, like Abraham and Joseph uh, and Esther, if you ever read the book of Esther. All examples of meekness. And then just read the book of Acts. You've got meekness all through the book of Acts. Think of Stephen who preached this, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and enraged those who, who heard him preaching the gospel. And, and it wasn't that he was being arrogant or prideful. He just was speaking the word of God. And when they took his life, do you want to know what the last thing that he said? He said, well, he said a couple things. I see the Son of Man sitting on the, or standing on the right hand of, 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 of glory and, uh, and uttered the words of Jesus before he died. He sought the forgiveness of the people who murdered him in the, in the moments of his death. But there are two big examples I want to, I think, just ooze meekness, and the one is Moses. Moses uh, is described in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, 
as in this way. I'll just read it for you. It says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. That's pretty meek, right? That, that bar is set pretty high. Moses was more meek than anybody else that lived in his day. And, and yet Moses was a man of great courage. He was meek, but he was a man of great courage. Think about it. After he encountered God in the form of this burning bush, God sent him to confront Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh on behalf of God to let the Hebrew people go. That took great courage for Moses to do that. That was a death sentence, to stand before the most powerful, one of the most powerful individuals in the world and say, you need to let your slaves go. Even though it's a big part of your economy, you need to let them go and let them go now. Moses it was an example of great courage in his meekness. He, he uh, showed great resilience over the many years that he shepherded the Hebrew people in the wilderness. And they were difficult people to shepherd. They frequently complained. They frequently said, oh, we should have, just, we should have never left Egypt. At least we, we, had, you know, we, we had rules over our heads then. And yet Moses showed great weakness or meekness in, in, in resilience while he shepherded these people. But the, what's really interesting in this passage in Numbers chapter 12 is the context. Because in the context, Moses exemplifies meekness. See, Miriam and Aaron spoke, they, they had an issue with Moses. You know, Miriam and Aaron, if you're wondering who they were, it was Moses' sister and brother. And we learn in the very first two verses, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. Now, who's the Cushite woman? She was a black woman. And she was not Israel. She was not from, from Israel. And uh, so he had married this Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord, I love this, this sentence, and the Lord heard it. See, there's so much. I mean, this is a whole other sermon. They were having a secret conversation that did not include Moses, thinking that nobody else would hear this conversation. What they had forgotten, what they shouldn't have forgotten, was that God was in their midst, right? I said at the beginning of the sermon series, the Christian, the, the true Christian, the follower of Jesus is always mindful that he or she is always in the presence of the Lord. Now, the, Christian, the person who's not a Christian uh, may not be mindful that they're in the presence of the Lord, but they're in, the, they're in the presence of the Lord because God is God. And so the Lord heard it. You know, so I, I just picture the conversation, something like this, you know, Miriam, it seems like in the text, it appears that Miriam was the one who initiated the conversation with Aaron. So Miriam said, hey, Aaron, I need to talk to you about some things. You see that black woman that Moses married? Like, what's up with that? Why didn't he stick to his own tribe? You know, what kind of man is he? Like, you know, I mean, we've experienced God speaking through us. I mean, I, I sang a song after, after God delivered us through the Red Sea. Remember that? I led the whole thing. And Aaron, you know, you're a priest. God, God's used you in some pretty significant ways. 
So um, do we really need Moses? I mean, I think he maybe even lost his way. Just, he's not fitting into our mold. And the Lord hold it, heard it. And so God uh, called Aaron, Miriam, and Moses together. That was an awkward moment, <laughs> right? So he calls all three of them together. And this is what God says. He said, hear my words. Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. But, he goes on to say, I speak with him in a, in a dream. And he says this, Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So, Miriam and Aaron, you may have had visions and you may have heard my, you know, me, me speak through dreams, but with Moses, I speak to him face to face, mouth to mouth. I have a whole other type of relationship with Moses. And, and the irony of this story is that after God depart, after he rebuked them and after he departed, it says this in verse 10, they turned and they looked at Miriam, and Miriam had leprosy. And it says, here's the word, Miriam was leprous like snow. It was as if like God said, okay, you got a problem with the skin color and ethnicity of this woman, I'm going to make you whiter than you ever hoped to be. Literally, he... She's white like, he could have just said she's got leprosy. He says she's leprous like snow. And, and here's Moses' response in verse 13. And Moses cried to the Lord. And this is what he said, Oh God, please heal her. Please. That's meekness. That's a posture of meekness and humility. There's another example of meekness I'd like you know, to turn your attention to, and that's the one of Jesus. And Jesus was meek not because he lacked you know, holiness. He's not, he wasn't meek in the same way that, 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 that we ought to be meek. Like, Jesus was perfect in every way. The thing about Jesus is his, he took on the form of a servant. He chose meekness. He chose to take on humanity by being born of a virgin, to live as one of us, yet uh, without sin, for the purpose of dying for our sins in our place. We see the meekness of Jesus put on display. Just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll see it all over those Gospels. Uh, Jesus wasn't meek because his problems were beyond him. He wasn't meek because his problems were with his sin. He had no sin. And he wasn't meek because his problems was himself. He was meek because we had a problem. He was meek because our problem was beyond our cure. We couldn't, we, we couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't fix our problem. Jesus did that in your place and in my place. Jesus took on the posture of meekness. Was Jesus weak? Absolutely not. He went to a cross in our place, bore the wrath of sin for you and for me. The Apostle Paul said this of Jesus, 
which is an example of meekness. Says, Have this mind among yourselves. The words are on the screen. Let's read it together, actually. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Apostle Paul says, if you want to be meek, have the mind of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He, he, he submitted himself to the authority of God. He, he didn't account, account equality with God, something that's hard to wrap our minds around. That's what Paul literally is saying here. And he did it on your behalf and on my behalf, and so we should follow his example. The context of Philippians chapter 2 is stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Be more like Jesus. Jesus' meekness is seen in the way that he approached and interacted with sinners without ever condoning sin. And by the way, ushers, you can distribute the uh, communion cup at this point. That he, uh, he approached, the way he approached and interacted with sinners without condoning sin. Like in John chapter 8, there was this woman who was caught in adultery. And Jesus said he was without, you know, he had all these guys around her that were ready to kill her. They were told that they found her in the act of adultery. The, the interesting thing is, is the guy, they didn't pull the guy out of the bed, they just pulled her out of the bed. Thank you. Um, and then Jesus said, he who is without sin be the first to, con- to cast the first stone. There's only one person in that crowd that was without sin, and who was it? It was Jesus. Who had the right to cast the first stone? Because according to the Mosaic Law, Adultery was, de- was punishable by death, death by stoning. Jesus had the right to do that. And what Jesus, Jesus asked the woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they're all gone. He said, well, neither do I accuse you. But did Jesus stop there? No. You know what he said? He said, now get up, go, and what? Sin no more. Jesus is meek. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah described Jesus as one who was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. We see the meekness of Jesus in, in the way Peter described Jesus. And Peter spent years with, at least three years with Jesus before Jesus was crucified. And he described Jesus this way. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. Peter witnessed when Jesus was arrested. And while on the cross, Jesus' meekness is put on full display when he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And even after Peter denied Jesus three times, after Jesus rose from the grave, Jesus sought out Peter and he restored him, which is an example of a demonstration of meekness. You can read that in John chapter 21. And this is what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word gentle is the same Greek word for meek. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, if you are, fo- if you are a follower of me, if you are a Christian, then you are called to a posture of meekness. 
that just like that is, it is true for every citizen of God's kingdom, every person who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ did not enter into citizenship in God's kingdom apart from being poor in spirit, one who's mourning over their sin, and one who is meek. There is no room for pride in God's economy. Does that make sense? And so, you can open your communion cup if you haven't already. Jesus, in that upper room, before he was about to be betrayed, he said, this is my body. I'm going to be pierced for you. I'm going to be crushed for your iniquities. I am going to die in your place. He said that every time that they, his disciples gathered together, he wanted them to remember that. I think not just to remember that Jesus died for our sins, but also to remember what it means to follow him. And he said, every time you gather together, I want you to remember that. And so take this bread and eat. So let's eat together. The same Greek word for meek is used for the word gentleness in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. The words are, I believe, on the screen. Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When Jesus held up the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You know what he was saying when he said that? Some of you already know this. He was saying that those promises in the Old Testament that God will circumcise your heart so you can love me and, and, and follow me, those promises in the Bible that said that one day God will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put a new spirit in you so that you could love him and obey him. He said, that's about to be inaugurated. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to make that possible. You will receive my Holy, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that will enable you to love me and obey me and to be a person of meekness. He held up the cup and he said, I'm going to shed my blood on your account. Every time you gather together, I want you to remember that. And I want you to remember what you are being called to. Let's take and drink together. The reason why Moses was meek, because he walked with God. Listen, the, the longer you walk with God, the more the, the 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 deeper your intimacy with God goes, 
the meeker you will become. The longer you walk with Jesus and the deeper your relationship with him goes, the more like him you will look. You will look like him more and more. You'll begin to to pray things that fall in line with the heart of God for your life. You'll begin to exemplify, as an example, the, the fruits of the Spirit. You will become meeker. The longer you walk with Jesus, the less important it will be for you as to what other people think of you and what the world thinks of you. What will matter to you is what God thinks of you. And it's this person that is blessed. It is this person that experiences true joy and contentment. Because it is the meek person who has surrendered himself or herself to the will of God, who has received the gift of his or her salvation, that meek person has experienced the favor of God and continues to experience it today. If you're a Christian in this room, then not only are you a person who's called to deeper and deeper meekness in the way that you live out your life, but, um, but the faith of God shines upon you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Like, that is the past. What matters is who you are in his eyes. If you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that um, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. The Bible says that, uh, that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and nobody can come to the Father except by him. And, and the only way that you're going to be able to arrive at the foot of the cross is if you get beyond yourself and you arrive at the cross with empty hands and you recognize there is no righteousness in me. I do not deserve your mercy. I do not deserve your grace. I, do not, I don't deserve heaven. I only deserve hell. You need to have that posture before you're ready to receive the forgiveness of your sins and, and to, be, to mourn over your sins and say, you know what, this grieves the heart of God. My sins grieve the heart of God. But he has provided, he has provided one in my place, Jesus, the son of righteousness. He's provided in my place uh, on my behalf on that cross so that my sins can be forgiven. And, and, then, and then you must humble yourself before the foot of the cross, recognizing that you are, you are beyond help except for the help that God can give you through his son Jesus. Listen, and I'll close with this. There is no sinner that is too far that God's grace cannot reach. And most of you in this room, if not all of you, are recipients of that. You've experienced that. And what is this earth that the meek will inherit? It is a earth that, 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 that is resurrected. It is an earth that, that, that the balance of scales will one day be, will, will, will be balanced, like the scales of justice will be balanced one day. It is an earth without the curse of sin. It is an earth that is described for us in Revelation chapter 21, where God will make all things new. It is only at that point 
will we not only be comforted for, as those who mourn over our sin, but we will inherit a new earth. And here's Re- Revelation 21, verse 4. This is what we will inherit. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, speaking of us, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen? If you're not a Christian, I would, I just, I beg you, I implore you, man, don't leave here without talking to God. Don't leave here without confessing your sin to him. Don't leave here without telling him you want to follow Jesus, that you want Jesus in your life. For the rest of us in this room, there's no room for pride in God's economy. We're called to meekness. This is what discipleship looks like. It looks like following Jesus and taking on his character upon our, our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word, and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for, for pursuing us. You pursued us. It, that's, that's the picture of, of your grace. The, the, my experience and what I read in the Bible is I didn't run to you. You came to me. You ran to me. I was the prodigal. You came to me. You ran to me. You found me. In my dirt and shame and sin and ugliness, you found me. Just like you did with every person in this room who has placed their faith and trust in your son Jesus, you found them. You are the God who pursues lost sinners. And you just don't pursue them, you rescue them through your son. You just don't rescue them, you redeem them. You make them new. And all who have placed their faith and trust in your son, Jesus, you say, your word says, we are a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. Thank you, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.